Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. The workers, they come back from the day in the field. Jennifer dances and she cooks me a fucking meal. That's all the words that I know to this song. Jennifer, mm, my dog. 
everybody. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast. Um, we are we are getting dark and deep tonight into the fall of 1999 with Wade, who's back. What's up, Wade? Hey, guys. How are you? It's uh, nice to be back to uh, finish up uh, this uh, very dark journey we're about to go on. <laughs> Jonathan and Matt are here as well. Way to sell it there, Wade. That's good. (laughs) Um, We have a lot to talk about. And let me tell you guys, where we left off last time was was in Japan. and um, We left RJ in Japan, basically. (laughs) And I just got back, um, which is why we haven't been able to record for some time now. Um, But guys, this is, um, man... Visit, revisiting this year was has been an adventure, and thanks, Wade, for for kicking us off on this. Um, there's some stuff in the fall that we're going to touch on. We're going to skip over some stuff because I think this was a little bit more hit or miss than than the summer uh, overall, right? Um, <laughs> before we jump into it and, and start talking about the shows, um, Wade, what's your sort of uh, preview of the what the fall and, and December is like pre pre Cyprus? Okay, so we don't even have that long of a break. We barely have uh, a month um, between um, the time they go to British Columbia. So not so now that we have two international shows back to back, and and the second time in Canada this in the same year, which is also <laughs> uh, which is also uh, certainly different. Um, and, uh, we see the, uh, we see the premier, right? Premier Mozambique, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Premier Mozambique. Uh, and then, um, you know, uh, really a great, great, great tour opener. Uh, we got, you know, a big tweezer there. Woo, tweezer. Big, big tweezer there. Uh, always fun to, uh, always fun to have a ha 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 inserted. It's one of those Kung catapult you know, the vibe is right kind of things. And so that was a, a great tour opener. And then, of course, we get to uh, everyone's favorites, the Gorge. Uh, well, everyone's favorite once you get there, the 75 hours of travel before then. <clears throat> <laughs> well, Wade before, we, Wade, before we get to the Gorge, we should talk about that tweezer a bit from the ninth because it, um, it was a really – interesting um jam in a, in a tour opener and like in this day and age um 2017 aside because it's it was different and special but in this day and age you don't get jams like that in a in a tour opener um what was the i don't, I don't think i saw any shows in the fall of 99 um, which makes me sad and a loser but um but jonathan what's your what do you, what were the vibes like going into the the fall of 99 anything different from summer so I didn't see them until December. I'm going to say that first. But um, in my crew, some of my friends flew out west for Gorge and uh, did some of the West Coast stuff. And in our crew and the people I interacted with, we were all very excited. We, of course, were all or some of us planning to go to Big Cypress. And we were just giddy about that. We were like, well... They got it. They're gonna work their way up to that. So, whatever, whatever Big Cypress was, we didn't really know, but we knew it was gonna be awesome. Well, and Jonathan, we knew that I, this is gonna I, build there. 
I don't want to interrupt, but I do want to say in case people who were listening to the last episode didn't go look it up because we mentioned that they meant they announced they'd be playing in Florida and then you brought up Big Cypress. So between July and September, they announced that it was going to be at Big Cypress. I just didn't want to spoil anyone who was waiting to hear where it was. I just thought that um, everybody knew that Big Cypress happened after the, this fall tour. So <laughs> I think maybe. I think they did. But I mean, spo- it, spoiler alert is, is helpful, you know, in case anyone didn't. <laughs> look, I'm sorry. You, you, sometimes people just have to do the reading. You got to do the reading. You got to do the background reading. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Sorry. That was my fault. That was my fault. Jonathan's right. There was that big Cypress. Big Cypress was looming over, just like everything else was, the size, the scope, the drugs, the big show. Everything was looming over all of us. Come September of 1999, nine, nine, ninety-nine. Nine, 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 nine. Holy shit! Probably the most turbulent besides that last run besides that last run uh in in 2004 up to coventry oh my god uh this begins a very turbulent and inconsistent and uh, often why people dismiss the year however it did not start that way no and 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 to dismiss this because some of the shows don't hold up to certain standards is a total mistake and you're right this show is just it crushes um tweezers really great um dark and deep and uh, you know heavy shredding in this uh but the whole show's really good in my book like the stash i just popped in on the stash and like lost and had to listen to the whole thing and um i'd say if you must if you if you don't know this just just queue up to like about eight and a half minutes into the stash and and then you'll hear why you need to listen to the whole thing um nice and uh it's also got the first uh, first tube and uh the in-law josie wales debut on this show and matt matt what was your take on this tweezer in terms of just getting straight into the the jam highlight that we found well, like I said on the last episode, this is where you hear Mike locked into a groove, uh, like you know Tony Markellis would play. Uh, except, <clears throat> I think um, it's more of a Mike Mike-sized groove, um, slightly more complex riff uh, than than Tony might play, but still getting you know set into a space uh, that he just kind of continues for a really long period of time.
Um, this show, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe was the debut of Trey with the keyboard as well, right? It was. It, it, it absolutely was, uh, which uh, <laughs> was the first Marimba Lumina uh, besides the... I don't think anybody really had a problem with the mini drum kit. Oh, some people did. <laughs> See, I love the mini kit from because, I mean, he really didn't use it too much. I mean, he used it... I mean, the, it basically made all those free jams incredible, you know what I mean? I, I mean, but yes, this was the precursor to the uh, Marimba Lumina uh, bastard stepchild to the mini drum kit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he had... He had that keyboard on stage with him on the uh, on the solo tour. Of course, he also had a whole second drum kit on the solo tour, but we won't. We'll so, so he I'm, had I'm, both. He had the bastard stepchild and the OG on the solo tour. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, just, he had a full kit that he sat down, and the two of them played drums against each other. Jonathan, I mean, that's what Jonathan does. He's he starts. That's my role on the show. Yeah, is, that's why Brad. That's why Brad can't be here. Obviously, can't take the hates. It's like Jonathan's always fucking with me, and I just I can't. Um, but but for real, this maybe because Wade primed primed me for this. But I mean, this tweezer tray just sounds possessed to me, and then carries that straight straight through to the the gorge, as you mentioned, Wade. Um, we were going to talk about the the sand, which I know Wade was. There were a couple sort of uh, centerpieces for you from the 99 in general, and I know that the sand from the Gorge is one of them, and the other one was the sort of ambient stuff that we talked about in July. Um, before we get into the sand, which is from the second night of the Gorge, I just want to note that on the first night of the Gorge, the 10th, which is which is worth going back to, features the first fish playing of Willica Round in Circles and Gata Jabu. Um Will it go around in circles? Like, why? Why doesn't anyone play that anymore? And it's fucking pissing me off just thinking about it. So I just want to leave it at that. But Wade, tell us about the tell us about the sand from the gorge, which also was the first sand to buy fish, right? Which was also the first sand. Now I I I'm very <laughs> when when it, uh, Kevin ended up playing it on from the archives. I just. Uh, it, uh, I melted all over again. I was sitting in an RV, and I just—I'll never, I'll never forget hearing the Chris Soundboard version and in what. Uh, so okay, so these solo songs from the trade tour, right? They're starting to now, starting to become what people don't know yet are going to become centerpieces of the next two tours before their big break. Um, so, Sand was one of. The stronger songs, if not the strongest song, to come from his solo tour. It was uh, it was his new baby, or so it would seem from the recordings uh, from the solo tour. And so now, you, this now gigantic festival uh, that uh, uh, you know you already have hundreds of people under your employ. You now have hundreds more planning. Uh, you have you know all of this pressure uh, the naysayers from your solo tour um, and when Fishman drops when it, when they drop into the groove he he starts to lay out um, and what ends up happening is he ends up building these layers and as you're it feels as though he's 
emotionally and musically shedding his skin as it builds throughout the jam. And what ends up happening, and, and, and I know Jonathan had, had alluded to Hendrix earlier in his, his solo tour, it ends up becoming this mix of all of the ambient stuff that had been working up to this point and where the the shreddingness of where this song came from come to a head and it, it I was I wasn't there but it, it feels like somebody had to have like thrown something at him to shock him to bring him back out of out of this state uh, that he was in um, one of certainly one of his finest this is a completely type one sand this doesn't go anywhere but Trey and this just brilliant intersection of where his technology and his tone was at the time and his chops meet. And uh, there's 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 a reason that, that Kevin put it on the from the archive show. That's that's for sure. So that's my soliloquy. That's my sand soliloquy.
You know, it, it's. I, I think you've really nailed it there, but I wanted to um, kind of append to it that this is exactly the type of fish that my friend, who I mentioned but will remain nameless, who stopped seeing fish after 98, this is exactly what he was opposed to. This kind of fish. Interesting. Why? Yes. Just too uh, he awesome. wanted to see the fish of fluffheads or of, mm. um, you know, or, or, or I don't Reba. know. I'm not sure what his favorite song is, but mm. he, he loved them. He in, taped them, saw them up through 95, and after that saw a couple more shows and was like, hmm, they're going somewhere. And when you – I'd be like, dude, you got to check this out. Check out this new stuff. And I'd play him something like this. He was like, this is – no, I don't – I don't want to hear this. I want to hear the band together, not Trey in front of the band. Yeah. yeah. And this is, again, where everything was very much coming to a head. And I feel like this sand, this debut sand for Fish was like, a, you know, a, a kind of a fuck you. Like, this is who I am. This is where it's come to, you know what I mean? And not, and it's not like there wasn't a bunch of great team improv to finish off the year because there really was. Absolutely. Yeah, but all the same, this was like a, you know what? I'm I'm gonna play my solo songs on this tour, and and this is this is me. Fuck you, take it or leave it. And yeah, the, they're gonna the, kill, and a lot of us are really, really, really gonna like it. But the band, the band was playing really tight in this version, though. You know, like behind his insane soloing. Um, but you're right. Like one of the one of the um, the points you made last time, Wade, is just the the kind of prominence of, of Trey solo songs. And in these first, what, three shows of the fall of 99, you get the first first two, Mozambique, Out of Jabu, um, Will It Go Around in Circles, which again, they should play much more. Um, Sand, Heavy Things. I mean, it's crazy. They're like, it's just, it's like a tab show. Um, debuts everywhere, which is, which is interesting. But this is like... This um this solo is it's nuts. Um, Trey's crazy. It sounds like. And then I heard that some people who were not cool um, went straight from the gorge down to shoreline and decided to skip um, the Portland and Boise shows. That Boise the Boise show nothing really happened um, ex- except one of the you know very well. Fish celebrated my birthday at the Boise mm-hmm. show. They did. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that, the uh, you know, Boise gets, you know, as it should, the lion's share of the glory. But that Portland show is a fucking banger, too. <laughs> Big old ghost. Banger. It's like super spacey. It's like a, it's a great 99 show. It's great. And it's great team fish, too. It really is. There's a there's a lot of team interplay. Trey uh, somehow keeps his erection in check. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, big old ghost, great. But of course, um, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a round of boys here. <laughs> I just want to say quickly that um, you know, I, listening to this soundboard um, version, which I I haven't, I listened to it this morning before we recorded, and I hadn't listened to it actually in like three days. But um, it's it's <laughs> totally insane, man. It, it just all it makes me wish is that there's more '99 on soundboard. Like you can hear. The mix is perfect. The the what I hear is like precision and aggression, and bliss and madness all like really kind of 
scrunched together. But um, man, this is a this is a classic classic piece of improv. Matt, what's what's your take? Yeah, one of the things that uh, kind of struck me as I was doing some homework uh, to to catch up for these episodes was that. Um, the obviously you know we've talked so much about the the groove and and not straying too far from it in a lot of these big jams one of the things that i think saves um saves it from becoming boring is that i don't know that you could come up with a year when fishman was hitting harder than in, in 99 like he was playing pretty straight straightforward grooves but in particular his ride and his snare he was really laying into them and also the tempos are up too um and so it, it never kind of um there's not a lot as much dragging the bag uh and some of the 2001s and and stuff like that i mean it's like sure there's probably reasons for this stuff being a little bit fast but um but it's definitely energetic it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's uh you know like like it's boring at all Right, and I mean a lot of the times, and a lot of the times with this tempo stuff, I mean, I mean, Fishman's playing just exactly perfectly behind the beat, like like some of these jams, like the gumbo, like the gumbo, it's like just behind the beat. It's disgusting. It's so good. Like, like when 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 Fishman does drag uh, in '99, like the great a great example is the ten. I know I jump ahead here, uh, but the ten two ninety nine tweezer on your way down is a great example of him. Uh, staying perfectly behind the beat, uh, you know. But I think you're absolutely right. Fishman, one of the uh, hitting in, insanely hard, uh, keeping these uh, ambient musics from the melodic players. Mike now somehow also becoming a melodic player more in '99. Fishman really does hold it together. I think that's an excellent point to make. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
So, um, RJ, you, you hit at the very end of your statement there a list of four things. It was precision, madness, aggression, and what was the fourth? Bliss. Um, bliss. Okay, so if um, sounds like Fishman might be the aggression, um, who's the precision? Is that Paige at this point? And <laughs> I think then, it was uh, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike. Sure. I think Mike. Okay, you know, and then the just, madness is Trey. And I guess so. I don't know where the bliss comes in. Maybe there's just Paige. like a little. That was Paige. It's the synthesizers. Oh, interesting. It takes all four of us. That's off. really interesting. That's yeah. true. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Well, so. Guys, you we talked a little bit about the the well no we didn't yet. But let's talk about the, <laughs> the next couple of weeks of this tour. We actually don't uh when we are going back and forth on clips. I mean, it's not like we don't think that these shows are good. In, in fact, Wade just touched on one, the 102 from Minneapolis which he thinks is worth going back to. But there was sort of a there was sort of a run here after after um, Boise that was you know, through California and um, Arizona, stopped by Brad's house, New Mexico, Texas, <laughs> New Orleans, and then Alabama. But but not not a ton happened on those shows that I think was um, well. I would was s- notable in the in the pantheon. I don't know, you know? about not notable. I, you know, I think people were having a pretty good time. I, I've listened to the, all, all of these shows at one time or another, mm-hmm. and there is good stuff all through i think as long as you didn't get popped in texas you probably had a great time on this tour uh true true (laughs) i mean it's just you know a lot you know it's just really you know none of these are standing the test of time unfortunately but but you know but it's still you know my friends who would come back or or people you would talk to you know they're having fun but you know tension is mounting Phil Lish sat in on one of these shows that we're glossing over. Shoreline, they did Cold Rain and Snow and, uh, what was it, Viola Lee Blues. Um, uh, and, you know, so we have this, um, yeah, we get in. Now, well, the the South, the South run not so great, but then we find ourselves in Memphis at the Pyramid, God rest its soul. And uh, it's Big Red's birthday. Uh, a great Jabu to open the set. Now, at that point, um, more so in 2000, you know, you were going to see Jabu in that slot uh, a whole bunch. And, uh, you know, I think what's separating, what's, what's really, people are having a hard time adjusting to the new songs. They're great. They're groovy. However, they're dominating set lists. And they're kind of boring because they haven't really figured out how to stretch out twist too much. They haven't really, you know, it's, you know, these songs need room to grow in the fish repertoire. This particular version of Jabu, uh, I think now people are starting to realize that once he hits the boomerang, it's party time. And I think this is one of the first instances of where you get the actual... And you get, and then you get the crowd cheer, which is now synonymous in Jabu. When they, when, when you know they hit the boomerang, everybody goes bullshit. And this is one of those, uh, you know, one of the first times in Jabu where people are like, "Oh, it's party! That's it! It's that's the party loop." Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we go into an all-time version of of two thousand one. That is uh, Trey letting the giving the giving the ball up. 
you know, letting team fish. And now he remembers somewhere around the 20, 20 minute mark that it is his birthday coming up. Uh, if it, you know, it's uh, minutes down on the clock and it launches into an absolutely ferocious down with disease that stays by and large type one, but is it's it, it's fire and brimstone. Um, bringing it down to his Clapton moment, uh, let's let us not forget whose birthday it almost is. Um, pretty tight version of Billy Breeze. Yet again, we get another new song back on the train. And now we have the emergence of not one, but two, but three of the songs they're feeling it when it's getting psychedelic, Catapult, Kung, and I Didn't Know. We have three songs, typically, that are never in the same show as each other, all in the same set. Um, they are clearly having a good time. That good time comes through on tape, but not at the mercy of the performance. Uh, so it, it, it's, uh, if you haven't listened to that entire second set, if you're just one of those guys who just blows in for the 2001 and then, you know, goes off to play Halo, I, I suggest you start at the Jabu and, uh, and just go all the way through the city's encore. It's a, it's, it's a fantastic show. No, no, yeah. We don't want to dissuade people from pay, playing Halo, whatever, whatever you can that do is. Both. Um, Actually, you just um, turn the stereo up and then sit down and play your video game. I guess I've never, I've never played Halo, but I've heard of it. I, I've um, never either, but it's got to be like Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. I should have said avocado toast, I guess, in hindsight, but <laughs> you can so, edit in avocado. You can eat avocado <laughs> toast to this catapult. I'd just like everybody so, to know. <laughs> um, I just want to say that uh, when I listen back to this 2001, which I have listened to a lot because I'm one of those dudes who just listens to the 2001 and then plays video games. But um, God damn it. It's just like Trey, it just sounded to me like Trey pressed like every button he had on his guitar machine. And um, <laughs> it was pretty wild. The things got pretty pretty looped there. But Matt, maybe you have a more um, articulate take on that jam. I don't. Um to be honest, if I can be a little con- a little controversial, I actually don't like this 2001 that much because for the exactly exactly the reason you just said, God. I think it's it. I think it's just like a lot so of buttons. This yeah no I mean so just like uh, call back to our uh, New Year's Eve review uh, or, or really the live event in American Beauty when I accused Trey of just dicking around with his new guitar rig on the first night of the New Year's run. Um, I think there's a lot of that in this 2001 with his keyboard. I think he's just like hitting every, hitting every button, trying to make sound effects and drawing it out. And, um, you know, I mean, I guess if you just want to groove to something for a little while, then it's okay. But um, not something that I play that, that often. Jonathan? I often have the feeling where I want to groove to something for a little while. It's a chronic problem with me. And this is a good, <laughs> good way to handle that problem.
<laughs> so there, some people love it, and some people think just think it's awesome to groove to. Um, so, guys, we we skip now um, after that 2001 to all the way to December because there there were some good shows or, or there's some stuff worth revisiting. I think Wade mentioned the second of October at in Man- Minneapolis. There were a couple of shows at the Knickerbocker Arena. Yeah, there's really I mean, um, there's a is, weeks a week's worth of shows, like seven shows. There was one of the only uh, standalone uh, hydrogens from mm-hmm. one of the nights of mm-hmm. NASA, which I was at, which was very cool. And the encore came like before a rocky top, which is very strange. Um, yeah, but really, I mean, uh, you know, again, we're seeing the band having played a shit ton of shows at this point. Uh, the fatigue is, is clearly starting to set in. Fans are very divided on the new material. Uh, not many fans are in love with the keyboard. Um, uh, so it's it's starting to get a little tense. Things are starting to get a little tense. Um, uh, and uh, people aren't start, are starting to not look that great. <laughs> <laughs> on both sides of the fence. On both sides of the... <laughs> <laughs> Things were getting real ugly out a lot. There was uh, more instances of, uh, you know, some more instances of, of violence, uh, harder drugs. Um, things were, you know, it was it was not the scene that I had come up with in '95 and in uh, uh, the you know '96, and it was it this was it was darker. There was a, it was a much more drab tone, and there wasn't that burst of energy from like 97 and 98 where you felt like you needed to get to the next show it just kind of felt like these shows were coming until we all made this pilgrimage to the everglades well wait wait let me let me just sorry let me interrupt you just because i want to i want to step back just a bit and say because before we're gonna before we go all the way there because there's 14 shows in december of 99 um I also Many think of them it's were awesome. worth noting, RJ, that they they took a month off. It's not like they this. Did take was, a month we, off. we didn't skip that many here. You know, there was well. That's what Wade was getting yeah, to. Was this, it was my fault for interrupting him. There was a, a much needed <laughs> they month actually off. Took, well, according to the according, it depends if you go by the Gregorian calendar. It was actually like two two months, but but you know, I'm just <laughs> just trying to <laughs> Wade. <laughs> <laughs> no man Wade. they came back on the second and they had stopped on the 10th that's not too much you're right that's a good point that is a good point Dude. i will never i will never do that again um <laughs> so wait so wait they took they take a month and, and 1.78 months off there you go. and then they come back and so wade what's this is what you mentioned in the document though wade that things started getting dicey you mentioned the lot scene and the people were looking haggard both on the stage and off the stage so where does this like where does the magic of the the music come from just from that that balance or the beauty of of improvisational music is that you know we go because it might just fall on its face we go because that there is the chance of failure in the air we go because of the uncertainty of everything. And now what this turmoil leads to both on and off the stage 
what ends up is what ends up happening in December is you it's this constant push and pull of uh, I don't want to say power struggle um, figuring out just who is you know leading all of through you know October but then once we get into December and Trace had a little settled down a little bit on the keyboard and uh, which I'm sure there were discussions about <laughs> um, uh, and you know I feel like now they have probably the gag all set up for Cyprus they've got the infrastructure set up a lot of the questions that that were probably unanswered or getting figured out during the fall. They're a month out from this gigantic thing that's about to happen, as are we. And I feel like it was the collective mix of excitement for all of us that is what gave that December run its magic. Some of it, you know, like the rest of the year, uh, falls on its face. But a lot of it is incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, obviously it's a, it's improvisational music. It's intensely personal, you know. It's like, you know, they're, you know, they're not even looking at each other up there. You know, they're literally just feeling each other and listening to each other. So, you know, yeah. you, you hardly yeah. want to listen to the guy that, you know, told you you were playing way too many fucking notes the night before. <laughs> so the <laughs> I can't I can't argue with that nor can I really add to it but let's talk about this this December where we wanted they played the Palace two nights in Cincy Rochester and then Portland Maine and that's where we're going for this 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 first kind of focus in on the music was the the Haley's from uh from the Cumberland County Civic Center, which we all know and love for various reasons, but that's um, that Haley's is is pretty dope. Well, yeah. So they 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 take all this time off and they've come back and they've had a f- few days to get loose and they've gotten loose and this Haley's is a it's a motherfucker, man. It's insane. <laughs> I was uh, I, I I listened to this. It was just, in fact, just tonight I was listening to this while I was making dinner and I just, I had it on in the kitchen and, you know, was in between tasks and found myself at some point, just, I was dancing. I had no idea. I hadn't tried. I'd said, oh, I'm free. I'll just dance. I just, I was dancing and I couldn't like, it was unconscious groove. And I feel like the band kind of finds one too, but, um. Which is that I locked into, and I, I had a, a great moment to this Haley's just today. That's awesome. That's all I got, Matt. Matt, do you have, do you want to add anything on this? Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's amazing, and I had the same experience. I, I put it on <laughs> earlier today uh, with uh, my my Haley, and she was dancing around the room, and I was dancing, and it's like it just kind of overcomes you. <laughs> Thank you. 
anecdotally, by the way, there is a, a fantastic video of this Haley's on YouTube uh, if you seek it out. Um, really cool um, look at uh, this long jam and actually probably one of the best videos of the lights from 1999 uh, that uh, that you can see when Kuroda had that insanely huge rig that he had just kept adding sections and sections and sections onto. Well, which you'll remember, which you'll remember in an interview, Trey was like, that's when I realized it was just all getting too big. And he said, I looked up and the lights kept going and going and going. And I was like, when is it enough? When yeah. is like, when does it stop? Like I'll never, I forget whose interview it was, but I'll never forget that when, when Trey said that, he said, I just looked and it, 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 and the lights just kept going up and he's like and he's like it was an entire metaphor for what was going on it's like when when is it enough when does this stop growing so yeah uh yeah. but yeah that's the i love that rig though that shit was sick with the the overhead projected like the flat projections like above their heads that was so sick yeah um so for me two i mean uh two other kind of you know personal things um I, there's like three different bands that I think that you hear throughout the year, even though we talk about a lot of the, you know, cohesion around some of the groove oriented jamming and stuff like that. I think that the band over the summer is a different band than in the late summer, early fall tour than is a different band in this December tour and, and, and big Cypress. Um, I, it's interesting, you know, Wade just painted a great picture about things maybe getting really dark around this period, there being a lot of attention of, of tension. Uh, but I love the playing in December way more than the September and October shows. I mean, these are some fucking fantastic shows. Um, also of note for me, I've always, I, I've listened to a lot of this stuff from December 99. Um, this is exactly when I was getting into fish uh, to the point where that I've told the story before about how the, the 11th was, should have been my, my first show. Um, but so during this period, I was like starting to investigate things and I've, I've gone back to figure out kind of like where my trajectory was within the band's history and, uh, you know, wh- where I was kind of chiming in. So um, December 99 from start to finish, including Big Cypress, holds a, a really, really special place in my heart. Nice. I, I That's awesome. I will add that um, it's also special for me. I saw a nice little chunk of shows which we're getting to. So I had... So for me, as a practically married with a kid at the time, I saw an awful lot of this fish and really liked it. I, it, I it's inter- it's very special to me too. Um, and I'm just kidding; it's not really. But I but I, I agree with Matt that like this this um, this section of the year is the most rewarding and and interesting. I think by by a lot. Um, the next thing we want to talk about, I think we you mentioned the, t- the one of the two shows, Matt and Philly, the tenth and eleventh. Yeah, but that set too, twelve eleven <laughs> is a fucking train wreck. Oh my god, that is a perfect example of what are we playing? What key are we in? Who's taking the ball? Oh my god! But it's a fantastic show, the hood opener. Like, oh my god, it's a fantastic show. Like, it's pretty wild. It's wild love the comment that you made that there's three different bands in 1999 and you're absolutely right and i feel like i feel like the band that they end on is their best 99 and it, as it should be don't encourage matt don't encourage matt with his with all this no no it's fine <laughs> you know validation yeah, matt absolutely nailed it there's three different bands in 1999 and 
December is their best 99. Just a, a wonderful run of shows. I just revisited uh, the Cincinnati Melt uh, last night. It's phenomenal. Um, just an a- absolute wonderful month. And uh, 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 it was my uh, Providence is my 20th birthday. Uh, and then, of course, my hometown show, Hartford, the absolute monster drowned Caspian pairing. Um, wonderful month. Wonderful month. Jonathan, what was your uh, what was your favorite show that you personally got to see that run? I I don't have one um, because I, I just because I haven't I can't settle on them because they're a little different. But the first one I saw was this next night at the MCI Center in DC, twelve fifteen, and it was you know new venue and hadn't seen these guys since July. A lot of crazy shit had been going going on, as we've, of course, been talking about. And so, very excited. And and I really like this show. There's a big disease opener. There was um, a good gin in the first set. And a big YM to end the first set. And then uh, and then this free. There's They played really nice free into dirt. And a solid Reba after that. And then the kind of Haley's that people ha- just so hate the- nowadays because it was only like five minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say we're going to we, we wanted to stop on the free here because it's an interesting it's not it's not super far out there, but um, betrays on the keyboards and it, it gets things get weird. But I wanted to just say while we're here talking about the MCI Center, which is now the Verizon Center. No, it's not, yeah, not which, anymore. It's now it's the Capital Capital oh, One Arena. Capital One Arena. Okay, so here's the deal, guys. This is really fucked up. Fish has played fewer times in our nation's capital in their entire history than they played at Madison Square Garden this year. And that's like that just fucking pisses me off because Because you live here we now. We have because well, I've lived here for I've lived here for ten years. Go fuck, you know, don't fucking so you're suffering call for me it. out on my DC cred. I'm just saying that they played eleven shows total in in Washington DC. This is the capital of our country, you know, and now it's it's becoming great again finally. And they they don't even come back here, and they haven't played. Fish hasn't played. Well. Fish has not played in Washington D.C. since this show in 1999. I think that's. Um, I just think that hold, should change. Although maybe there's not a really good. No, option. hold on a second because there's. You're right. There's not a good. Uh, no, you're going to make like a very logical and reasoned yeah, argument. Nobody wants to hear uh, your exact, honest. Ex, you know. Also, news. right. Opinion. You know, we'll put we'll put up Go a ahead, Twitter Matt. poll and we're going to see. I'm going to make this statement and then we'll, people can tell me if it's good or not. Uh, Oh, good. Let's redo the math if you include uh, the Patriot Center and Wolf Trap and Merriweather and the Cap Center. It's still I don't count Merriweather because no. it means I have to go to Maryland. <laughs> it's still low. It's still and really that's low. A, that's but, an automatic deduction. And I, and I hear what you're right, saying, you're which right. is why I am re, I'm going to restate my campaign for the next Baker's Dozen to be at the Anthem. Yes. That's a good idea. It's a too really small. good idea. It's way too small. It's good. It's it's good. It's very good. They should play anyway, the Capital One the Arena. The Capital One Arena. I thought it was the Verizon Center. I was just getting it straight after it would change from the Sprint Center I just or whatever. So learned that it wasn't the MCI Center not too long ago. <laughs> You're right, though, Matt. It is. If you take Virginia and Maryland into account, it's like they play, they come around more often. But 
It's just bullshit, man. It's the nation's capital. It's becoming great again. So let's... <laughs> the free is awesome.
not gonna we're not gonna talk about the 16th because I think you know it the 16th which is the next night it's been ever since the live fish release came out a couple of years ago it's just been we've discussed it a lot I've listened to it so much I think it's been a little overplayed in a good way because it's totally worthwhile I think the tweezer is one of the best fish jams that I've ever heard yeah but but our listeners are certainly not familiar to, with it or if they're yeah, exactly. not it's real easy to get that way it's it's kind of interesting though that it goes they go down there you know through through North Carolina on the way back up to Hampton but that's like a very that's a gem of a show and I know you guys have differing opinions maybe on Hampton but well I'll say that the, you know it's yeah <laughs> I mean I don't I, I don't know how many people died in that train wreck but I I I put in the body count in at least a thousand <laughs> Uh, I had a good time. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> LSD is amazing. I mean, it, you know, but, uh, you know, drugs aside. I don't know anything about that. I just said it. I had a fun time. I, this is a big steam. This is a, a steaming two-hander, to put it in dog terms. <laughs> in so the you're talking about the, the, the 17th of uh, December. Indeed I am. Yeah. Yeah, and so it has a song so, we will not name inside of it as well. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, okay, so I, I wanted ahead, to, to say to RJ's point real quick, the only reason they went to Charlotte was a Charlotte. It was Raleigh, Raleigh. rather, um before Hampton was just so Hampton could fall on the Friday and Saturday. That's mm. all. Uh, because nice. they wanted me to be able to go to both. Mm-hmm. And I did. Of course. So so we think the seventeenth was a two hander, and then the the eighteenth was the last night of the of the tour um, bef- before going to the going before going to Big Cypress. And we we wanted to talk about the the first set closer. Uh, you enjoy myself. It was no, um, it was I don't know. I think it was a pretty cool jam. Uh, I'll let you guys talk, but I mean this was this was the show that everybody. I think that even if this show had stunk kind of like the first night, people would have given them a pass on this one. I think this was like the ultimate, like, thank you for us playing so many shows where everybody's looking forward to Florida. I, I, I really think everybody would have been happy this night, no matter what, because there was this really huge sigh of relief. Now we just get the plan for this big, huge party. Uh, Cyprus was the only thing in the air. It's all anyone was talking about. And uh, they, 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 they more than made up for the, the night before. Um, you know, the, the, the Frampton 2001, the whole bit, the it's, it's hood opener, uh, you know, well, I will say on the seventeenth they did uh, actually acknowledge Big Cypress by playing "Water in the Sky," um, and that was the real big roar on the Everglades line, of course. Um, and I like the MoMA Jam Bug. I think that stuff's pretty cool, and so I don't really hate this show. But what <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Um, I, I also don't worship at the feet of the Camden chalk dust, so I'd probably just suck Boo. that fish. Um, 
but yeah, second the next night, you're first of all, I have to completely agree that that Big Cypress was all anybody was talking about. It was like, well, what are they going to play? If they play it here, will they repeat it at Big Cypress? Will they, you know, all of the, all of that stuff? Oh, they should play us a Forbin, and they should have a narration that would just talk talk about carrying us to some big swamp or something. And like, yeah, that's a good idea. It didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but but everybody was jazzed on these kinds of ideas. It was. Every conversation I had just about was about that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, well, they not only played this really big You Enjoy Myself, which I think we all like, and I'm not even sure what I can say about it other than it's it's certainly great. Um, but there's also this, uh, like, 30-minute 2001 Sand segment, which I would have argued for us to, you know, feature, but we've already featured those songs and quite well Uh over these two episodes. So um, I think this is a good one. Uh, I, a great show. I'm glad I was there. The best part of that whole 2001 with the, uh, the Frampton tees, um, which for, oh, yeah. for people who are uninitiated against that, uh, Hampton comes alive had just come out a couple weeks before. And this, so this was a year later, they're playing Hampton Coliseum and then they tease Frampton as a, as a callback to Frampton comes I think, alive. I think there was a banner also, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure there was a banner. Okay. Um, possibly, and this is my, my rock nerd geekery coming out. Uh, the, Possibly the funniest Trey joke ever when he refers to Fisherman as Bob Mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, which is just incredible. Um, but uh, this, so I had this revelation today when I was listening to Yem uh, after cramming, uh, you know, listening to a lot of, of 99 stuff. We did this whole two parter last year on Tweezer. And how Tweezer was this sort of bellwether of the where the band was at at their, that point in their career and the style of jamming, and you could use it to tell the story of the band. Yem is like the anti-Tweezer in that mm. it just mm-hmm. never changes. It's always mm-hmm. it's always Yem, and when the, in the middle of this year where you could call out all these spacey, crazy ambient jams and noises and stuff like that, it's still just fucking Yem, man. You know? Yeah. That's a really good point, yeah. And there's there's little flares on it at times, but it's mostly mostly standard. Uh, mostly sticks to the to the to the script. That's what Trey said. He didn't want to go around playing "You Enjoy Myself" to crowds all the time, you know. And well, then he gave then up. He, then he gave up his left nut, and we're yeah. we're back at it. <laughs> now we're back at it. Now he only has one nut.
there's spoiler alert in case anyone didn't know. So they ended up at the end of this year playing at Big Cypress. Um, we have to talk about Big Cypress another time. There's no chance that we could talk about a 37 song set without you know several episodes. So we'll do that eventually. You know, um, RJ, we could do that. Um, we'll do that right after now? we've replaced you with somebody who actually, you know, made the right choice that uh, week. <laughs> Come on. Nah. We'll let you be on no, it. That's it's cool. cool. That's fine. I don't care. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Find someone else. You just want to hear it, right? I just want to hear it. I just want to listen to that. I just want to listen. If anyone has any stories about Big Cypress, add us. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, and everyone does. Except me. All right. So Wade, thank you for bringing us through this journey of 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 hell and and fire and brimstone and beauty and madness. That was 1999. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's a you know the improvisation of music feeds uh, off of drama, and uh, and even though um, it wasn't everybody's uh, cup of tea, um, as uh, Brad said. Um, you know, as far as the the kind of of improv that it is, but if you, you know, if you were a fan of the four on the floor and and you love your space buttons, this is the year for you. So. <laughs> space buttons, <laughs> Jonathan or Matt, anything to to add before we wrap up? I I would like a space button, please. <laughs> Thank you. Matt has one. I've I, seen it. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it it's a this year's an anomaly. Um, when you look at the trajectory of the band, it kind of makes sense that they got to this place in, in terms of the groove. But I'm also very glad that in 2000, things sort of got back on track and they were a little bit more like the fish that they had been for a few years before. Um, you know, yeah, you can talk about the, the, the side stuff of like, you know, them needing to take a break and everything, which was obvious, but um they they while this was an interesting experiment the way that they played in 1999 i think it was good leaving it just as that i agree i think that's a great point to make nice all right well wade thank you so much for joining us on these two episodes we we had a great time as always and um we'll have you back sometime soon to talk about more fish things so oh thank you so much guys so much love for you guys you guys are uh, you guys are doing great things thanks wade absolutely take care guys all right, so thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for uh, for being part of this, and uh, we'll see you soon. Um, give us a review on iTunes. Send us thoughts, feedback, questions, musings, horoscopes, etc., um, via Twitter or Facebook or uh, email, helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. So we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Keep on rocking.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.